This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. We're on location in Piermont in Sydney. Special guest today, Shane Jacobson. Well, well I don't know about a special guest, just a dinner guest. <laughs> we shouldn't put the word special against my name. Well, I might wonder what I think I'm doing. Yeah, I haven't tried many of these. That we're actually at a restaurant. Yeah. No food's arrived yet, but we'll try and knock this off before we get distracted before by the, the food. spicy prawns arrive. <laughs> Sorry for anyone listening that's now got the taste of prawns in their mouth, but uh, the dumplings are coming after that. Now, I'm just making it worse, aren't oh. I? <laughs> so in limited time, there's a lot to chat to you about, yes, so sir. I want to certainly stay on topic to start with. Um, little Big Shots, Sunday nights on 7. Have you worked much for 7 before? Um, believe it or not, my, my entertainment life started with 7 because I used to be the warm-up guy for Channel 7 TV shows and I used to do lighting back, back in the day because uh, I've kind of lived about, well, according to my parents, I've lived about 200 lives but, uh, and, and just about killed them in every one of them. But, um, you know, I used to be a lighting designer and, and a lighting operator so I was, and, uh, and a lighting director, so I used to do shows at Channel 7. So Channel 7, in Melbourne in particular, was kind of a home to me for a, for a very long while. So We're talking 90s, maybe? Yeah, yeah, um, late 80s, early 90s, and, and all through the 90s, really. Tell us some of the shows you would have. That I did, um, so there was uh, Funniest Home Videos, I used to do warm-up on that. There was okay. a show called Live and Kicking, right. um, which I was the warm-up guy on. Um, I look, a, a myriad of things. It was a footy show, I think, one. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was in competition with the footy show back right. then, so... Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, so I, and, I, and, and, and doing lighting was for everything. I mean, Brownlow medals and goodness knows what. I did it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, so tell me, Little Big Shots, how did it come about? Well, for, that, for those that don't know the format, it, it, where the idea of the show, the kernel of an idea, came from Ellen DeGeneres with her show. Um, she quite often had, and, and still does, has kids that she might find on the internet or on social media um, kids with a talent or a skill or just to do something you know, incredibly entertaining. Um, and it doesn't, same with her show, doesn't have to be singing or dancing per se, um, but just kids who, who've demonstrated some amazing skill or, or gift. And she would have them on a show. And I think the reality is that, that they became, those videos became so popular that what happened was they could have Brad Pitt on the show or Beyonce and have one of these kids. And it was one of those things where people would go home or, or catch up with a husband or a wife or a friend at a, a dinner and say, did you watch the Alan show today? Brad Pitt was on it. Oh, did you see that kid that could juggle or that, that could sing that song or did the interview? Yeah. And the truth was, that was the stuff that people were going home to, to Google or look at look at it on YouTube. They were looking at the kid clips. And out of that came the format of Little Big Shots. So it was uh, Alan DeGeneres who did it. And the show's been the, the format, as we call it in television, but, the, you know, the idea of the show. And the show um, has been a huge hit around the planet, and, and it's Australia's turn. Yeah. How involved were you? Did you just sort of come in after everybody's chosen and the performers, and, and um, or did you sort of... Were you in there for any auditions or anything like that? Is there sort of backstories for any of these kids that yeah, you're involved so, with? Uh, yes and no, a, a, a bit yes and a bit no. So I was um, I was in the production office on and off, uh, you know, in pre-production stages, mm-hmm. where I was constantly being shown tapes um, and having you know kids' stories told to me. So I got to see a lot of them um, kind of move from you know concept stage of we've got all these kids on the menu to getting to the point of going, this kid's amazing, this kid has to be on the show. Um, so there's a team of people smarter than me that, that trailed the planet because that, that's the thing that, that we've got to tell people. Is it's not just kids 
from Australia. It's kids from around the planet um, doing these amazing, amazing things that we've, we've flown to Australia. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, my job wasn't necessarily to pick the kids, um, to, to cull them, because we had a massive list. I mean, one thing I can say, the exciting thing is there are so many kids out there that can do things that you just wouldn't believe they can do at their age. It makes me wonder what on earth I did with my first 10 years of my life, you know. <laughs> I keep saying the truth is, by the time I was 10, I was so impressed that I could tie my shoelaces and eat soup without spilling hot soup on my knee or fold a bit of bread. You know, I thought I, was, I had it all going on. But yeah. one thing I've learned doing the show is that, uh, that there are kids that can do a lot more than I can. Are there pushy parents involved, do you think? Well, maybe pushy is maybe not no, the right word, but people that, that sort of motivate their kids to do to excellence? No, I found that the exact opposite because okay. it's not a talent show. Hmm. Um, because there are no judges and because it's not an entertainment performance-based show where they've got to dan- dance and sing, I think you've, you know, the kind of the show parents that people fear and that you can see in entertainment are the ones that try and push the kids to, to, to perform better. You know? And in, in many cases, the kids want to do it, but you don't get show parents. In fact, some of, the, some of them are kind of reluctant and don't know what to do in the world of entertainment because their kid, some of them have, you know, there was one kid in particular who has an incredible knowledge of the medical world. And we found out with him, which is the complete opposite of every other kid on the planet, when his parents aren't watching, he's on a computer trying to learn as much as he can about the medical world and about the human body. And when the parents come into the room, he quickly turns it over onto a cartoon so they think he's just watching cartoons because <laughs> they just want him to be a kid. So, in fact, it's the opposite. The, the parents you know, are, are kind of almost surprised they're sitting in a TV, show, uh, you know, TV live studio audience and on a television show because their kid can do something amazing. So it's, um, it's very different from that point of view. There's not kids being thrust on stage. It's actually, they've been, and a lot of them became YouTube sensations. They kind of became kind of the reluctant star, if you will. Choosing a project like this to work on, um, what's, what sort of things? I mean, you're a busy guy. You do lots of stuff. You've done a very diverse sort of career, you know, acting, hosting, you know, um, the, the motoring stuff, uh, movies, TV. Is this a, is this a, do you see it as a new challenge or is it just another gig? This one was a no-brainer. It was, uh, I've got four kids of my own. I'm the um, chief scout of Victoria, so I spent a lot of time with youth, both, yeah, yeah. You know, both as a parent and as the chief scout of, of Victoria. But the thing I love about that, I, I, love, I love kids... I, I love being around kids. I find them entertaining because yeah. they don't have the shackles that grown-ups have on them. Uh-huh. Um, there's kind of a free mind. And this show really is... its Knowing there was going to be no judges, that was the point that made me go, I love it already. And I knew exactly where it had come from. I knew the Alan DeGeneres story. And the second we started talking with Channel 7 and the whole production team and Warners, it was immediately unveiled to me that there were, you know, it's the same format. There are no judges, and we just want to have fun with the kids. And when we were talking about it, was you know, I said, you know, what rules are there around when we talk to the kids? And everyone said the same thing. There are none. That's the joy of the show. Now, there's been many shows. We think back to the shows in the past where literally there'd be kids sitting on a couch just talking to grown-ups and being asked questions, and then we get to, to hear kids' imaginations set loose. And knowing it was a combination of that and kids, in some cases, performing, but in other cases, just showcasing some hobby that they've taken to the nth degree, I mean, it, it just sounds like nothing but fun. Yes. And again, to repeat it, without there being a competitive edge to it, that no kid was going to be pitted against another kid. And I keep saying, 
I don't, not that I think it's a bad thing to have competition in life. I think kids have to know that life is competitive. You know, if you go for a job interview, you've got to be better than the next person. If you want to play football, netball, whatever it may be, you need to be better on the day than your opponent. But it's just nice to have something that actually just is just a pure celebration and enjoyment mm. of kids. And you know, knowing that, that that's what this show was, it wasn't so much should I do it. It's like why wouldn't I? Yeah, I kind of would be mad not to. And again, you know, I always do say that growing old is inevitable. Inevitable, but growing up is optional. And I'm I'm never going to grow up. So hanging out with kids. Absolutely, I'm in. <laughs> From what I've seen of it, there seem to be no shortage of talented um, kids to, to put on the program. Yeah, they are, are mind-blowing. I mean, people will discover it when they watch the show. They are, and that's the, the other thing is, it doesn't matter what kid you're watching on this show, that will in no way inform you of what you're going to see next. Mm. It's not like when you watch other shows where you go, it'll be singers or, or singers and dancers and it'll just be the same ones, and then you know they'll slowly get culled out. It really is the Whitman's sampler chocolate box because it doesn't matter what you pull out of that box, that flavour will not inform you what the next one is yeah. because uh, you know the very next kid could be a kid that can solve a ru- three Rubik's Cubes at once. And the next kid could be a kid from India who can do inconceivable things on rollerblades, you know. So from that point of view, it really is, every guest is completely unique. And again, that's that's another great bit to it. But to answer your question in detail, is there a lot of kids out there with incredible talents? They are everywhere. The, the You know, it's so funny. I hear some people talk about the fact that, the, you know, the world's become, it could be a very dark place. And there's a lot of serious things going on. And, you know, the Gen Y and you hear complaints. I, I think the future is in fantastic shape and in, fan, and in good hands. There's still plenty plenty of kids out there who are creative, um, who have passion for music and for skill and knowledge base. You know, you know, there is there is the next, you know, genius sitting out there waiting to be discovered. Um, in in like I said, the kid with a medical knowledge, he could be he could be the kid that can find the cure to cancer mm. purely by being driven to want to learn more. And then there's other kids there who can do amazing sporting things. So we have we have we've, we've met kids on it on the show, and, and people get to see there are we have future gold-winning Olympians that we're meeting on this show, and I guarantee there'll be gold medals in Australia's bag over the next 15 years from kids that come on the show. So from that point of view, it was kind of it was kind of a bit inspiring, you know, without trying to overstate it, to watch these kids with disability. Well, some of your passion comes through on the screen. It sounds like the sort of show that if you watch a bit of it, if you sample a bit of it, you're going to be sort of hooked. Yeah, and again, because they are so entertaining, but it's also, they're so amusing. Look, it just has to be said, we, you kind of can't, you can't prepare to interview a kid. I think if you do, you're wasting your time. It, it is a bit like saying, it is like putting out witches hats and saying, I'm going to get a cat to walk around this in sequence. You just go, no, you're not. That's not how cats work. And that's the same as kids. Like you, that's the other joy of it. It is so amusing because the kids are just inherently funny. And uh, so that was the other joy of it too. You, you didn't, it would be a waste of time to prepare too hard for me to figure out the questions you're going to ask the kids because you just don't know what they're going to say. And, and one thing I did do probably a little bit differently than, than, than other countries is I don't, I don't have cue cards on my hands with a list of questions to ask them because it's kind of pointless. If you really want to have fun with the kids, you just got to listen to them. And, and I would chat to the kids before they came out on stage and just to let them know there, there are no mistakes there is no right or wrong on this show there's a couch I'm going to be sitting on the couch and we're going to have a chat and they can do or say whatever they want I'm not their parent I'm a parent but I'm not theirs I'm, I'm, and I'm not their teacher um, and there is no score so they should just enjoy themselves and they did just that 
So what, what the viewer will see, it's pretty pure in terms of as there weren't lots of retakes and stuff like that. We really see what, what happened. Yeah, well, the, the interviews just keep running. We, we just kept chatting to the kids. And then at some point we'd go, well, it's probably time you get up and show us what you do. <laughs> like, in fact, sometimes the kids would kind of go, can I show you my thing now? And we go, of course you can show us your thing. Because <laughs> some of the kids are like, you know, chatting's good, but I'm, I can't wait to show you my skill. So, yeah, look, it, it, is, it is very much, it was all in front of a live audience so that, you know, we couldn't do any kind of trickery or fakery, really, you know. Yes. It was uh, all shot in front of a live audience. So, uh, yeah, we couldn't fool them. Again, I'll come back to this. When you decide to do a show like this, is there a, a, a how conscious are you of? Is there a Shane Jacobson brand? Do you, or does you, does things just fall into place for you, or because you you look at everything you've done and you sometimes think, gee whiz, it's, you've been very clever moulding it all, maybe, or or does it just happen? God, clever, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, let's go with that. Let's say I'm clever. <laughs> no, it's um. Well, is there a brand? I'm kind of, you know, I'm known as the guy next door, which I think is the greatest compliment I've ever been given. I got asked once, do, do I find it offensive that people go, I'm just the average man? I, I'm thrilled to be that. You know, if, if I, if, you know, when I'm, when I'm finished, you know, when I leave them all to call, you know, I'd love it, mate. It's done to read. He was just a good bloke. <laughs> and uh, if it says that, I'd be, I'd be stoked. But I, I think you kind of, it's the same as buying a house or a car. You kind of, you buy things that kind of suit. You do buy things that suit you, and you wear the clothes that feel comfortable on you. Um, and obviously, it's a pretty obvious thing. If I'm the chief scout of Victoria, I, I have a passion for youth. Yeah. Um, and humour is, without a doubt, something that I'm drawn to. Um, I probably think kids are okay. That's why I've decided to have four of them. You know, yeah. and according to my partner, there's you know there's actually five in the house. I'm the biggest kid in there. So, um, but you know, you do have to make decisions. And, and again, you know, if this was if this was if this was a show where there was a panel and I had to be the bad judge on the end, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, and so that's what makes this one, again, for me, a, a bit of a lay-down mazair to go, you know, I'd, lo- I'd love to host that and sit on a couch and chat. And it's, it's also, um, again, it's, it's a format. Like, we were... I was told by the entire... But the network and the entire production team just to go on stage and have fun with the kids. And the other thing that really is important when I'm doing the show, Adam Hills is great at it. There's a few fantastic people that are are really good at it. That I'm not the star of the show. and, And I'm not even a host in a way. I'm just a guy on a couch having a chat to these kids. It's the kids, it's a great chance. Um, you know, grandparents are going to love it because, you know, there's nothing better than watching kids be what kids are. Parents are going to love it because they get to see kids um, do what kids do. People who don't have kids... There's one thing that's been a, a uniform decision by the entire planet, which is just the acceptance that kids are cute and they do say, dare we say, the darndest things. Um, and so at that point, knowing the show is going to be nothing but a, you know, a, a long-running convey about all that then it, it, it's a great decision for me to do this. And I dare I say it, if Channel 7 had said we're thinking about getting someone else to post it, I probably would have gone to that person's house and nailed their door shut. <laughs> so they couldn't get out. I wanted to do this. <laughs> look, a little bit of food's arrived, but look, I, I can't let this up. I've got to ask you about a couple of other things. Yeah, of course. You, you said you, before you having a chat, you've got a bit on at the moment. Mm. Look, I'll... I'll, I'll rifle off a couple of projects and if I miss anything chuck them in but I think a lot of people are very interested in sibling rivalry and yeah. so just give us a, a, a little catch up on what that is and what stage you're at with it. Yeah so we've finished so sibling rivalry is a, a movie um, uh, sibling rivalry the name suggests that it's about um, the, the, 
rivaling siblings, which is me and my brother. So it's about two brothers, and my brother is being played in the film by my actual brother, Clayton Jacobson. So we kind of look alike. That's that bit covered. No need for makeup. Um, look, it's a dark film. This is. Uh, we, I don't advise the people when they finished watching little okay. big shots to then rush out and buy a ticket to sibling rivalry. Um, it, it's two brothers who, and we finished filming, so it's in post production now. It's being edited as we speak, um, and it's about two brothers who go to extreme measures. Um, to try and save their inheritance uh, because they've got a very poorly mother and they have a stepfather, their father's no longer around and they go to very extreme measures um, to try and save their inheritance and it doesn't all go that well. It's, uh, it's a dark comedy. It's, you've got to think kind of Fargo-esque uh-huh. to, uh, uh-huh. to, to get an idea of what the film's like. Right. Clayton, of course, now I think he's in Top of the Late China Girl. Yes, and it's not me. Yeah, it's not me. People keep saying, we saw you in... You've heard that a bit? Oh, a lot. It's my poor brother. Same as when people say, that was great, that role you played in Animal Kingdom. I'm like, that wasn't me, that was my brother. <laughs> and they're saying to him, we loved you in Jack Irish. He's going, no, that's not me. Yeah. And then the funny part is he's acting in that, and one of the guys that's acting with him is the same guy that was in a Nissan Navara ad that people thought was me. Right. And now he's in a scene with my brother, so now no one's got any idea who any one of us are. Right. <laughs> What's the age gap between you? He's seven years older. He calls me spare parts. He he, he says I'm on earth just to, for him to steal bits off when he breaks down. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he is very good in um, in um, Top of the Lake China Girl. I haven't seen it all yet, but what I've seen. Now, Sarah Snook's also in... Um, in Sibling Rivalry, yeah. Well, Sarah um, Sarah played my daughter in, in Oddball. Um, she played my daughter in The Dressmaker. Um, she's not playing my daughter in this, uh, but she is in the film as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she's an amazing actress. She, oh, she is Australia's yeah. next Cape Blanchett, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah you're a lucky man she you get to work some wonderful people, don't you? I mean, and she's she, she's just up there. She's amazing, and anyone that doesn't know who she is, I, I promise you, I assure you, she has. I mean, her career has skyrocketed. It's just one of those things that, um, I mean, she's she's in orbit as yeah. far as her career, and yeah, she's, yeah. she's her, you know career was so successful that people here don't know about it yet. Yeah. Um, a lot of people do. There's no doubt about it. But in the industry, she's everyone has their eyes on her. Um, I mean, she's done some incredible stuff. You know, she's yeah. been in the Steve Jobs film, and yeah. she's been she's in the West End recently too. I think she's yeah. a really significant absolutely. Part. Yeah. yeah. So she. Uh, she, she's incredible, and people will definitely know her name forevermore if they don't know it yet. Yeah. Um, Nest. Nest. Well, this sounds... I, look, I know nothing about it. Yeah. I've had a quick look. Well, it sounds pretty interesting from what I've seen. Yeah, so it's now... The, the new name for the film is Guardians of the Tomb. Uh, they've changed the name. See, that's with Kelsey Grammer. Um, so that film's still to come out. Um, Callan Lutz is in it. He was uh, sort of Hercules. He was in the Twilight movies. Um, he was in The Expendables with Sylvester Stallone and all the rest of that, and Arnie. Um, so, yeah, and, uh, and, and, a, and a whole amazing cast as well. Lee Bingbing, who's, uh, uh, who's a massive um, star in China. Um, Steph Dawson, who was in The Hunger Games, is in it. So, yeah, that film's uh, coming out, I think, the end of this year. Yeah, and Kimball Rendell. Yes. Uh, directing. Yes. Wow, that's, I remember him at Hoodoo Guru's video clips and Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Well, he was a guitarist. But he did, um, he's done a lot of second unit directing. He did a film called Bait, which is a, uh, the most successful Australian um, Chinese film that ever came out in China, okay. uh, to, I think, to date. Um, but he's, uh, he's, he's a very accomplished director. He was, um, sec- he's been second unit director on things all the way back to The Matrix. So he's actually, uh, he's an incredibly skilled man and just and a terrific bloke to be directed by. He's an incredible calm temperament. He's, uh, he's soothing. He's like water over rocks. He makes them smooth over time very quickly. Uh, is that far away, do you think? 
I, I, th- I think this year, I think okay. there's going to be a big release uh, in Australia, but in China as well. We've got to tour China with that one. Okay, and, the, and there's not too many of these listeners, but no, uh, right. another one at the barbecue. The barbecue is due to come out um, next year, start of next okay. year. It hasn't changed its name, still the barbecue. That's the barbecue. <laughs> that one's still the barbecue, and that's um, that's in, I think they're talking to start of next year. That's with me and Magda Savansky, and, and Manu, Manu's got a, a, got a bit right. of a role in it so yeah. as well, playing. Yeah. You play a coach called Dazza. I play Dazza. Yeah. That's very fitting. I think I'd make chances of Dazza. <laughs> and there's another there's another film, I don't even know if, if, if there's another one called That's Not My Dog that we've oh, just okay. finished, and that's coming right. out. Uh, as well, busy, so man. had a bit on. Had a bit on. I'm very, very fortunate to say the least. Yeah. Um, I've got to ask you about Top Gear. Yeah. I, I'm a Top Gear obsessive. I love the UK thing. I love what you guys did here. You know, I went to the launch. Yeah, it was an um, an airport down near Camden or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we we used the. Um, Camden was where well, we used one of the hangars um, out at the other airfield at Bankstown. You had the last lap there or something? Did you yeah, we used to do the Stars in a Reasonable Car was out of Camden, yeah. yeah, out of the airfield there. It was, it was bizarre because we'd hire the, the, the airfield and there'd be a cut-off time uh-huh. and they would say, you have to be off the air, the runway by 2 o'clock. And right. when we say 2 o'clock, at 2.01 a plane is landing. It was the weirdest thing we'd finished filming and those people would come out of holes in the ground and start ripping up witches' hats and... yes. Yeah, but it was that was great fun. I mean, I'm always asked, is it you know, is it the best job in the world? And for a car for a car fanatic, it probably is. You know, I've, I'm unashamedly a you know motoring enthusiast. I've got a book which has come out now called Revhead: My Life as a Motoring Tragic, oh, wow. which is a book that's just come out for Father's Day. So, uh, but I've just that's another thing. I've just had the book come out. But yeah, look, I'm, it was it was great fun, and uh, I, you know, some some of the most fun I've ever had with a camera pointing at me was definitely you know racing other people's cars. On someone else's insurance yeah. and someone else's fuel. And you got to spend a little bit of time with Clarkson, May and Hammond? Yeah, a lot of time. Well, I, I did six years of touring with them right up until, uh, I think, last year or the start of this year. I'd, I'd been doing the um, Top Gear Arena stunt shows and Arena Spectaculars, and I was actually the creative director of Top Gear Festival at Eastern Creek um, for years. So, um, yeah, Jeremy, the guy's still in contact with him. Jer- in fact, Jeremy uh, lent a... Uh, Lend a quote for the front of my book to, to promote that. I, you know, gave a quote that's very Jeremy Clarkson. Said, "If you read one book this year, it better be one, one of mine. If you read two, maybe read this one." Is what he said. Fantastic. <laughs> Have you seen much of the Grand Tour? What do you think of that? Yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's just good to see the guys together again. It's kind of one of those things that um, it'd be like you know, if the Rolling Stones, you know, kind of stopped calling themselves the Rolling Stones. <laughs> And they just all got back together mm. and uh, and called themselves Frog Legs. They'd still be, you know, Frog Legs would yeah. still be one of the best bands in the world, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know, at what they do. Mm. And and the guys, you know, that, that doesn't matter what the show is or who films it, as long as it's those three, it will always be entertaining because they are, they are, they are exactly who they appear on screen when you when you go out with them or sit off holiday with them, you know. Sure. So uh, that's what they're like. Yeah. They're yeah. good. They're good fun to be. They are. They truly are just good fun to be around. Yeah. yeah. It's just a, it's just an amazing story. Though. The whole thing, the success of it, and the, the business behind it, and what they've been able to achieve. Yeah, and look, it's their chemistry that, that makes it work. It's, it's, there's nothing else. You know, it was a car show, and has been, as you know, for a really long yeah. while. But it wasn't until they decided to actually make it more about the entertainment they realised that just just reviewing cars isn't going to work for very long. Yeah. Um, and so once they started saying, "Look, this is a piece of entertainment," that's when it really it really took off. And there's nothing else quite like it. And for, for People enjoy a bit of a laugh and a bit of motoring. It, it, it is the perfect soup. Yeah. 
I quite like the Top Gear without them as well. That's how much I'm into the brand. Yeah. Maybe the second series was better than the first, but it was, I thought it was, they did some really good work. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> you know what it's like, mate. You've been in the game long enough that it, it's, you can't step into someone's shoes immediately, mm. um, and it doesn't matter what it is. And you can use any analogy a new football, a new player on a football team or a new tennis player, you know, on doubles. Like, unless they've spent a lot of time together, chemistry is something that. Sure, if it's in the lab and it's in non-human form, in the hands of a scientist, they can make chemistry work. But with humans, it takes time. It's so seldom do you find out that someone, people have a group beyond two, have instant chemistry. Um, And especially when their brand is around kind of having a dig at each other, you've got to be old mates to do that and to get away with having a go at another person when other people know that there's actually no evil intent behind it. That takes a bit of work. If you just throw three people in a room and go have a dig at each other, it just becomes rude or abrasive, and it, that's, it's obvious that that's not what they're doing when they're with each other. They're actually just three guys, you know, kind of three smart individuals who aren't racing drivers. They're not engineers. They're just motoring enthusiasts. And at that point, you know, it's pretty simple to see that they have very ambitious ideas with really sometimes quite crap outcomes because they're not geniuses, and that's 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 the beauty of what they do. Yeah. And, and I think some people think they, you know, I, you know, I, I could host a show, I know everything about a car. It's like they don't know everything about a car, they, they have passion for them and that, I think that's why the format works. But as you say, going back to the to the, the new guys that are on there, well, they've, I reckon they've found their stride now, you know, mm-hmm. they really have and it's a tough gig, it's it's hard to be in the Rolling Stones covering, cover band when the Rolling Stones are still on tour. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's what they've had to do, but I think they've done very well. Yeah, 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 no, I think they've, they've done really well to keep that brand alive and interesting. You yeah, know? yeah. If you just just forget the fact that there used to be other guys doing it. Judge it on what it is now. You know? and yeah, and the fact is, if you watch it on its own merits, it's a, it's yeah. a good show. Yeah. But if you do the comparison, I think that's probably a bit unfair to all involved. Sure. It, it's, a, it's, it's still the same brand. It's a different thing with different hosts, but they're, they're good at what they do. Yeah. There's one other acting role I want to talk to you about, but while we just saw motor cars, have you got a big garage? What, what, how, how serious is your passion? It's uh, yeah, I've got I've got quite a few cars. There's old ones is kind of my thing. I've got an e, 1964 EH Holden that's uh, been restored. I did a film called Charlie and Boots with Paul Hogan, um, and I've got that HJ Kingswood that I've fully restored, and that now lives at the Holden Museum you in Chuka. Absolutely yeah. not. Uh, <laughs> I've got mates that, that, that are a bit better at it than me. Okay. I tinker, but I swear to God, I start walking towards the car with a screwdriver. I just hear someone from the corner go, get away from the car. You can drive it when I'm finished. I get yelled at when I get near it. Um, and and motorbikes as well. I'm, I'm, I'm the ambassador for Indian motorcycles, so I've got sort of three or four motorbikes, and I've got a, and I've got old things. I've got, you know, an old Land Cruiser ute and my daily driver. I've got a... Porsche Cayenne, the, the GDS. Mm-hmm. It's uh, five years old now, but if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, um, and you know, holding you for the farm and four wheel bikes and race buggies and yeah. So I, I do. I still do a bit of bit of racing here and there and run around Bathurst in a Toyota 86 when I get a chance with the Petters race team. And I actually just raced. I got a race buggy, a Polaris race buggy. I just actually raced on the weekend. I had one day that I've, that I've had kept outside in my diary, and the world tried to take that day off me. <laughs> And uh, I didn't let it happen. I ran away. <laughs> We're hearing all this. People will start to understand what a packed mm. schedule you've got. Because that acting work, your motoring passion, your family. It's, um, wow. 
you're juggling yeah, a lot. It, it is a lot, but I'm blessed. I, I'm not one of those people um, that has a single complaint. I had someone ask me in an interview the other day, you know, do you have any regrets or is anything you changed? It's like, I would not change a thing. My dream has come true. Um, I'm, you know, I've got the best partner in the world. I've got four beautiful, healthy kids. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be an entertainer and a host and a presenter. I'm, I'm getting a chance to do all of those things. So if the only downside is I've got to be a little bit busy every now and then, I'll cop it. There's people out there who work real jobs yes. that actually have to work hard. There's nurses that work long hours. There's single mothers out there. I, 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 there's not a single complaint I could have other than I'm blessed. Yeah. And that's yeah. not a complaint. That's a thanks to the planet, you know. I'll, I'll end with Time of Our Lives. Yeah. Well, great series. Two seasons. Two seasons, yeah. Uh, Justine Clark's um, we partnered. We yeah, she was my wife. Married, we married, we married in the last episode. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, look, what it, it was a chance of a lifetime. Claudia Carvin, Stephen Curry, William McGuinness, myself, Justine Clark, and, and, you know, Stephen Curry's one of my best mates. Justine, worked a bit with him too, haven't you? Yeah, and, and we kind of do it on purpose. We kind of get near each other a lot because we're mates. And Justine Clark's the nicest person on the planet um, my daughter I mean, we go to see her shows my kids my daughter can't call her just Justine she has to call her Justine Clark it's like if you met Mick Jagger I think out of respect you have to say Mick yeah, Jagger you yeah. just can't go hey Mick you have to say excuse me you probably Mr Jagger um, I've mentioned Rolling Stones three times haven't I might have to move on to the Foo Fighters or something to even it out but um, look it was it was such a great it was such a great production and uh, and it was great, such strong female characters, and you know the producers were, were females, and the writers, most of the majority of the writers were females, and I think it really came through that they were contemporary family issues, and um, I, st- I still get, I still get stopped constantly by people saying, "Gosh, please tell me that show's coming back," and I have to be the bearer of bad news. Someone asked me today about that. Yeah, and it's not, which is unfortunate, but you know what? I was lucky to be a part of it when it was uh, when it was going. Yeah, yeah. Did that? I, I don't know. But that stretch you more than some of the other things you've had to do on I don't know if that's the right way to no, put it. No, it is. Do you no, know what is. I mean? Yeah, so yeah, it does. Because there's, there's some... Pro- the ones that have stretched me... You know, I did Beaconsfield before that. That, that, oh, that, yes. that yeah. certainly um, flexed the acting muscle. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, it was because it was... Um, in order for that show to work, you had to be... Everyone had to be completely real. Yeah. And to act natural in front of a camera is a very unnatural act. And so... And, you know, but the, the great thing is when you're working with the people, Tony Barry, the cast we had was so good that it does make it, you know, grand final teams win grand finals when you're playing alongside really good players. And it's a bit easier when you kick a ball and it's marked by, you know, someone else who's got some skill. And that's what happened in there. Every line that was delivered to you and every person you were delivering a line to was uh, was fantastic at their job. And, and that kind of made it, you know, they probably dragged me through that production. Yeah. <laughs> Shane, look, we're going to let you eat now, mate. Look, great, uh, great catching up with you. Great chatting. Love your work. Thanks, and um, little big shots. Looking forward to it. No, well, you don't have to for much longer. Thank goodness it's here. <laughs> Sunday, seven o'clock, seven on seven. Be there. Good on you. Thank you. Come, <laughs> mate.